Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for the weekend. Partner in crime today, Wes Reynolds over at the Mandalay Bay. And Wes, we had a action-packed show yesterday, a lot of college football. We're going to get to that in five minutes from now because Circa, the spot where I'm sitting right now, has come first to market with the entire slate, both side and total for week two. Now, I have to say... A bland card to say, <laughs> to say nice uh, things about what week two looks right. like from a college football standpoint. But we'll get to those openers and those moves because we're already seeing some action and some movies. We usually do. And for those who are watching who don't know, you know, Circa being first to market generally with every single one of these, uh, the movement that you see is pretty sharp. Uh, these are going to be sharper betters that are attacking these lines early on the second that they are posted. And thus the sharp the moves aren't considered sharp. But we'll get to those five minutes from now. I wanted to get to Major League Baseball, though, Wes, because it is Sunday. It means we've got a full slate of games. We've got a bunch underway already, and we're about six, seven minutes away from first pitch between Atlanta and Colorado. And it might not sound like the best matchup, but it's a massive game. The Atlanta Braves, of course, on a two-game slide, have lost two of the first three of this series, and they're trying to maintain their lead over Philadelphia, who right now is up 3-2 over the Miami Marlins. So Philly is trying to work their way back into this NL East race. Atlanta trying to maintain their spot on top. Braves open up as a dollar thirty-five favorite on the road against the Rockies, and while some might think that this is a shoe in West, and the market says so because Morton is now a two-dollar favorite on the road, 
Keep in mind, this is a Rockies team that is 45 and 23 at home. And if, you know, over every single game that you've played there, up 26.3 units, this terrible Rockies team is when they play a course. Right. And and a lot of the adjustment, too, in this prize, too. Charlie Morton, Charlie, yep. my favorite Morton, usually one of my favorite pitchers to bet in all of Major League Baseball. This wasn't necessarily a betting adjustment. There was a pitching change here. It was supposed to be Austin Gomber that was going, the left-hander for the Rockies. Now it's going to be Ryan Feltner, who uh, essentially we'll see if this is going to be a bullpen start. I don't believe Feltner has made a start yet this year, but that's why you see the adjustment where the Braves are about near a $2 favorite over the Colorado Rockies. And as you mentioned, 45 and 23 at home are the Rockies, uh, 314 OVP. Braves about six games over 500 on the road, so very respectable. And uh, in terms of, you know, this guys can hit the ball out of the ballpark, but this is a big number, I think, to lay on the road for a Braves team that's kind of struggling that looked like they were going to start to run away with the National League East, but now going 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games, all of a sudden Philadelphia kind of hanging around. By the way, Philadelphia up 3-2 to two in the bottom of the six at Miami. The Mets, even though it seems like they're left for dead, still not dead yet. They're still a 500 club, so still plenty of time for them to make up that gap. Yeah, our producer, uh, Dan, putting in the notes, Mets still need to win at the Nationals, even though they have no chance in parentheses. There's always a chance, my friend, of baseball season. Always a chance. Uh, as far as Feltner goes, mm-hmm. uh, Colorado's 22nd-ranked prospect. He's making his major league debut today, Wes. So, yeah, we haven't seen him at all. So this is going to be his first time up in the majors, getting called up from A Hartford. 13 starts at Har- uh, Hartford. Feltner, ERA at 285, less than a home run every nine inning at 0.87, strikeout per nine of 991. His expected fielding independent numbers in the minors, a little inflated, so we'll see if that comes back down to earth against some professional hitting especially in an environment like Coors but ground ball guy for the most part keeps the ball down in the minors so we'll see if that translates and we know about the angle too right major league debut guys haven't seen him this lineup hasn't seen him don't have a lot in the book on him either velocity tendencies all of those things First-time starters do tend, Wes, at times to be a little plucky and it's sometimes a little difficult for lineups to figure out early on Yeah, you're absolutely right, JVT. Now, Feltner, a right-hander, not a left-hander. You know our old buddy Dave Koken likes this angle in terms of the fact when you get a first-time starter, especially as a lefty and especially as a National League, that usually makes the underdog even more plucky. But I certainly wouldn't be wanting to lay the price with the Braves here. I just think, uh, you know, just a little bit too steep. And maybe if you're even wanting to look at it and feeling a little froggy, perhaps you look at the first five under in this one because they have not seen Feltner. So maybe it takes a spot or two through the order before they kind of figure this guy out. You can only have so many data points and so much film on a guy from the minor league. So looking at that under, and it has gotten bet a little bit. It was six and a half, now six juice to the over here at BetMGM minus $1.25. So probably about even money plus 105 plus money if you want to go under first five. I did not bet that, but that's about the only way I would look here. Got to love games at Coors, man. First five totals that are about game totals sometimes, so you'll see that. So a yes. little move there. And should note, as Wes correctly pointed out, opener here was uh, Braves $1.85 with the pitching change. It is the green zone here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel, Wes Reynolds alongside as well. All right, Wes, so we have a full slate of baseball. We'll get to that momentarily. We're going to update some of these games, too. Uh, we have an hour away from now. We're going to get some starts and first pitches for some pretty good contests. Got an interleague affair between Houston and San Diego. That one carrying a little bit more weight for the pod squad as they got a win last night in a big fashion over the Astros. Uh, But we also have the final round going down in the PGA Tour. Walk us through what is happening uh, over on the leaderboard at this point right now at the Tour Championship. 
Yeah, essentially a two-guy race here in Atlanta, although Justin Thomas just kind of barely hanging on. He is at 15 under par, third outright all by himself. Justin Thomas, by the way, right now, you can bet this live at BetMGM. Not very many players to choose from because they are only pricing the Tour Championship market with the bonus strokes applied. So that's why you see really only five players considered in contention, but it's really only three. Justin Thomas, 28 to 1. Final pairing is Patrick Cantlay and John Rahm. Patrick Cantlay, of course, was the FedEx Cup points leader coming into this event, having won in that six-hole playoff against Bryson DeChambeau last week at the BMW just outside of Baltimore, Maryland. So Patrick Cantlay currently at 20 under par. He is minus 125 at BetMGM to get this to the house and win the Tour Championship and hence the FedEx Cup. And then John Rahm is at even money. We did just have a two-shot swing on the fifth hole where Cantlay bogeyed and Rahm birdied. So Cantlay at 20 under under, Rom at 19 under, so essentially a two-guy race, even though Justin Thomas still with 12 holes to play. Can't totally rule him out, but he's kind of hanging on by a thread at this standpoint. And the other two guys that are priced on the market, Kevin Na at 150 to 1. Kevin Na is 14 under par, and then you got to go down 12 under par for Dustin Johnson. He is currently 400 to 1, so pretty much a two-guy show here in Atlanta. So with that, it's uh, Sunday, and it's our last Sunday West without NFL action. It's going to be great. We have football every Sunday until February from here on out after this weekend. Uh, but Sundays are also important for other reasons, and Circa releases their games for the previous season, for the following week in college football. And so we have openers for the entire slate, both side and total, for week two of the college football schedule. And uh, let's start with the headliner, because this is going to be the game. It's early in the morning for us here on the West Coast. We get to see it right away. Uh, Oregon and Ohio State. And it's a headliner also because, as I kind of mentioned, uh, a bland schedule for week two of college football. Ohio State opens as a 13-point favor with a total of 62 for next week. Now, it opens for this week. Should be noted that Chris Andrews of the South Point had games of the year. That's exactly what the number was in the opener for the games of the year. But right now, if you look at the board, it has seen a move toward Ohio State. Not surprising. One of the things that you and I discussed yesterday, which was, what do you expect an opener to be? I threw out hard 14. Market feels that way as well because the immediate move was in favor of Ohio State. So as you look at this now, Ohio State at home against this Oregon Ducks team who scuffled around with Fresno State yesterday, you read on this market going from 13 to 14 with a total of 62 and a half because I agree with this move and I expected this when you saw the 13 open up. Yeah, no surprise here, really. And I thought it was kind of going to be around two touchdowns, maybe a half a point less, give or take here. But basically what I think you saw, and you pointed it out here in the open, just with the brief mention of these college football numbers that get put out first to the market here at Circus Sports in Las Vegas, it's not average Joe better betting these. Right. These are professional betters that are trying to get down. And what they're basically trying to do, John, too, is they're trying to get number equity. Now, some of these spots will be like, okay, I really like this side here for whatever reason, whether it's a stat or analytic based or kind of like angle or situational base. But sometimes and oftentimes it's guys just getting numbers. It's like, I'm probably not going to be able to lay less than two touchdowns on Ohio State on game day. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to predict what the market is going to do. So they're basically just taking a number. So just because there's a move, that doesn't necessarily, I think, believe, you know, leads me to believe that the pros just love Ohio State mm -hmm. here in this spot. I think it's just laying a number. And then if, if the number really moves quite, quite large, there's always the chance that they could take a little back or buy a little back where you're not necessarily seeing 
your recreational or casual bettors buyback. They're going to make one bet. They're not being as strategic about it. So this is about where I thought it was going to be because I think if you look at Oregon, yes, they did struggle against Fresno State, and Fresno State was ready to play because they did have that week one game, albeit not tested very much against UConn in a 45 nothing to win. But nevertheless, you were hitting some other guys in, in pads rather than your guys necessarily in practice. So, you know, Fresno really hung in the game. Oregon put it away late and won by seven. Kayvon Thibodeau, it looks like that injury is not as severe as we thought it was going to be. He did leave, leave the game. I believe you mentioned he was in a walking boot yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, Looks like he is going to play. This is about where I thought the number was going to be, because if you look at Ohio State, I would call it on Thursday at Minnesota, I would call it a good performance. It's obviously good when you put up 45 points on the road in a conference opener, and you saw how explosive they were, how many weapons they have at running back and also at wide receiver. Guys were getting open not only because of good play design by Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson, but because of defensive breakdowns on the Minnesota side as well. However, you look at Ohio State, it's very similar to what we saw last year. Very good offense, but a little shaky in that pass defense. Now, can Oregon and Anthony Brown take advantage of that. Anthony Brown now, Tyler Shuck, the starter last year, is now at Texas Tech. They got a win last night, 38-21. And Anthony Brown, who is a transfer in from Boston College, has taken over as the starting quarterback, a little bit more of a dual threat guy, a runner, but can also get it done a little bit in the passing game. So this line, to me, looks about right at this standpoint. Of course, the uh, total now opens up at 63. I think 62 and a half at Circa, 63 at DraftKings. So this is about right where I thought it was going to be. I'm definitely going to monitor this, obviously. If this goes up a little bit north of two touchdowns, I'd be a little bit more interested in the Ducks here. Yeah, I think the Thibodeau aspect is something that I'm really uh, interested in and what that means for Oregon because if you look at Stroud and what happened in that game against Minnesota, kept clean. And, in fact, that front seven really didn't do much in terms of creating mm-hmm. havoc in the backfield. Only one tackle for a loss for Minnesota in that loss right to Ohio State. That offensive line played relatively well for Stroud. Thibodeau changes that for Oregon, and he was great in the first half before he got injured. Uh, you mentioned it, crystal ball quote, not that serious. Sprain is the official diagnosis. X-ray is negative. So you would think that the turnaround he would be available potentially here. I think part of me, Wes, in today's day and age where athletes are very keen on what they are and where they're at in terms of what their value is, I do wonder if maybe what happens over the next couple of days in terms of him being, remember, a top uh, top prospect in the NFL draft, potentially the best player sure. in this draft yeah. and what he thinks about his availability. Not so much uh, opting out for the season, but if he's not 100% ready to go, maybe you take one more week. So Thibodeau's status to me is going to be really important. Not, not so much an adjustment on the market, uh, but I do think that's probably a, a little bit of why you see this move to hard 14 as well as the factors that you brought in in terms of key numbers. Also on the board, as we look at this entire slate, you know there are a couple of games that stick out. Again, not the best one overall, but I, I think your eyes gravitate to a couple of these on the board here, Wes. But I think if you go a little bit deeper, uh, let's go to Texas and Arkansas. I want to get your thoughts here. As we talked about yesterday, right, Arkansas gets the front door cover against Rice after scuffling back and forth a little bit, took a 7 nothing lead, fell down by double digits, but ultimately came back and covered in the last 60 seconds. And Texas took care of business against Louisiana. Defensively held down Levi Lewis, right, and the Ragin' Cajuns. Offensively, it took a little bit in the first half, but in the second half, started to find their groove, responded great after giving up a field goal on one of those drives early in the first half. There is some, a little bit of tepid respect for the Longhorns here, right? Texas opens up as a six-point favorite on Circa's lines. Uh, right now, you're looking at, I've got on my screen updated in this matchup with Arkansas, still six across the board with a total of 58.5. DraftKings, I think, opened this as low as 3.5, but you're reading now on Texas 
Texas and Arkansas after scuffling with Rice in these opening games. Well, this is why I always love week two, even though, as you mentioned, we don't get the multitude of really good matchups on paper that we certainly got in the first weekend this past weekend. But you look an old school Southwest Conference rivalry with mm -hmm. Texas and Arkansas, and Arkansas was always the outlier, the only team not in the state of Texas that was in that Southwest Conference in the 70s and the 80s. But nevertheless, you just got to look at the two teams. And what I talk about with the week two market perception, Texas exceeded market expectations. Yep. Market came in against them. Texas ends up getting a relatively easy cover, pulling away in the second half, winning by 20, 38 to 18. And then you have Arkansas, who the market came in on Rice, and look, it looked like they were right. I think it was like 17 to seven, midway through the third quarter for Rice. Arkansas got a late touchdown, kind of got a fortunate cover late. So the market was against Arkansas. So does the market kind of flip the script here, JVT? in one week's time where they're like, okay, maybe we underestimated Texas here, and maybe they were a little better than we thought, because that was a good Raging Cajun team that they handled yesterday, and now they go on the road to an Arkansas team that, you know, kind of got lucky yesterday to cover. They got themselves in a hole against the Conference USA team in Rice, and what I'm waiting, I'm waiting to see that perception hit the market, because mm -hmm. I don't believe it has with the opener of six. I could easily see this going to seven, and I would be interested in the Hogs here. Sam Pittman, second year at Arkansas, former defensive coordinator at Georgia. And as we saw with Georgia's defense in the primetime game last night, pretty good defense year in and year out. They get a lot of dudes and they're able to replace them with good coaches too when coaches leave. So if Arkansas can get to a touchdown, I would be interested in the Razorbacks here because I like to play on those teams, JVT, that the market's a little lukewarm on because I think this is kind of the overreaction week. This is probably one of the bigger overreaction weeks in all of the college football season, week one to week two. Yeah, I would agree. And look, I think there's things to like about Arkansas, what they did yesterday. Right? Yes, you know, it takes you until the fourth quarter. But also, you know, in the second half, West, they did outscore Rice 31-7, to right? Like, you get credit for what yes. you were able to do in, in the last two quarters. Also, this is a, an offense that returns all five guys along this offensive line. Really talented backfield, too, and a quarterback that has some wheels. And look at what they did on the ground yesterday. We're talking about 44 attempts, 245 yards, 5.6 per pop, four touchdowns. This is, a, this is going mm -hmm. to be an offense and a running game that is going to be a problem to handle. Now, Texas is really, I think, solid up front. They have some talent. But to your point where if we're getting to the full touchdown, if we're sitting on seven for Arkansas, this would be one where I, I'm in agreement with you. Snatching up points, a full touchdown with Arkansas at home against Texas, that would be an interesting spot for me given what we have back for Arkansas. And again, playing against the, the misconception that, hey, Arkansas stinks because they struggled against Rice. That second half was a mauling. They took care of business against Rice right. and it shows in a couple of the numbers. But a couple of more to get to here as we talk again some of these opening lines uh, for week two in college football. Uh, circa, of course, we're talking about these openers courtesy of the book that I'm sitting in right now. Michigan. Well, let's do this. Michigan opens up as a five-point favorite. Total of 52 and a half here at Circa right now. So if you're looking at this from what we watched last night, uh, not a banner day for the Pac-12 overall. And uh, I think there may be no. talk about perceptions overall, too. Uh, probably the perception that Washington sucks because they lost to a Montana team 13-7 to is there. Kind of surprised that the initial number was five, kind of low, uh, given that we don't know much about Michigan and we do know a little bit about Washington in terms of how much they struggled. A uh, market has not moved either. You're kind of sitting at that five mark here, Wes, with a total of 51. 
And you look at, at, obviously, we'll start with Washington, of course, losing at home to Montana. By the way, as an aside note, the Big Sky, I believe, went 8-0 against the spread yeah. in the FCS, so made a nice showing of themselves. A couple outright upset wins, none bigger and none more shocking than Montana going to Seattle and licking Washington here. And pretty even game stat-wise, but the big difference, Dylan Morris did throw three interceptions, and you throw three interceptions, even if you lay over a team with talent, you're not going to be able to really get it done. They, Washington didn't really run the ball well either. Only 26 carries for 53 yards. That's just above a two. But it looks like, okay, this is fade Washington City here because Washington was so bad, losing to an FCS opponent at home. And then you look on the Michigan side and, uh, you know, had a pretty good day yesterday, but I played a little small play on Western Michigan plus 17. I bought into that hype, and that was never a game. Michigan absolutely mauled this team, and yep. we know that Michigan's made a lot of changes, I think, not only in personnel, but their coaching staff. Uh, a new coordinator on defense, Don Brown, who is now at Arizona. Jim Harbaugh wanted to get younger on that coaching staff. So that's why he brought in Ronald Bellamy, Michael Hart, two former Michigan Wolverines, two be able to recruit Detroit and be able to recruit in state a little bit better and all over the Midwest. But Michigan 47 to 14 over Western Michigan, who a lot of people really like in that MAC conference is one of the favorites, but it was not without loss for Michigan. Ronnie Bell did leave. I have not seen the updated status, but he did leave the game with the leg injury. So he is their best receiver and really is their best weapon. So if this goes up a little bit more, that's that old play in against the week one perception. I would be interested in the Washington Huskies. Uh, I'm not totally convinced with Michigan. And I know the market, I think, is going to be because the market slightly, at least some of the sharp guys, came in against Michigan and went on Western Michigan. And the Wolverines, 47 to 14, easily handled Western Michigan as a 17-point favorite. So I would be more want to be on the Washington Huskies, but I want to see how much more I can get on the number. I want to throw one more at you uh, before we move on. We'll update scores as well uh, throughout the day. But one game that has kind of piqued my interest is on the board for next week, and that would be Tennessee and Pitt. So we saw Tennessee fail to cover in their matchup in week one. Pittsburgh took care of business against UMass, so we don't know much about either uh, program. I think it's a less than impressive performance from Tennessee against Bowling Green, not able to cover that. Uh, but you're talking about Pitt right now, one-and-a-half-point spread, Wes. What did you make of this matchup? Because this on the on a board that is relatively wide down has some intrigue between two teams that are very close to one another. I'm going to sound like our buddy Bruce Marshall here and play college football historian. We've got the Johnny Majors yep. Bowl between Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Johnny Majors, of course, coached at both programs. So that's probably why this game is happening. But minus one and a half currently at Circa Pitt, laying the points on the road to Tennessee. Pitt is usually a very good defense under Pat Narduzzi. Tough to take how good that defense was when they're playing UMass. And, you know, kind of a somewhat close, not really that close considering UMass got shut out at the first half, but Pitt had to pull away in the second half to go ahead and get that cover. Tennessee did not look that impressive against Bowling Green, certainly did not cover that big number, but Bowling Green just didn't have the depth and ended up losing by 30, but that wasn't enough for Tennessee to cover the number, so this is not one I know of as of yet, but I do think Tennessee, being that you have an SEC team that's an underdog at home, I think the balls are going to get the money here. This is going to close closer to pick. Wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee flip-flops to a favorite here. All right, we're not done by far with these matchups for week two of college football. Uh, in a week that doesn't have much, we do have a battle between two top 20 schools in Iowa and Iowa State. 
We get the breakdown on that, where the number open, where it's at right now. It's the Green Zone here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. season is here. That's right. It's the last Sunday without pigskin. It's time to get into BetMGM Sports, Nevada premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. You have to be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call one 800 
522-4700. Wes Reynolds and Jonathan Von Tobel with you here on this edition of The Green Zone. Uh, BetMGM is where I have my ticket on the Rays to win the AL East-West at about plus 275. And thank goodness the Rays have taken a 5-4 to four lead over the Minnesota Twins. They're in the bottom of the sixth inning. They played it three in the bottom of five to take that lead. So we'll run through the Major League Baseball scoreboard momentarily. Some scores worth updating. Uh, the Mets all knotted up with the Washington Nationals. We'll give you the details of that one. And one team just, just irritated me to no end whatsoever. But we'll tell you who that is coming up five minutes from now. I teased going out. One more college football game, Wes, because we do have a top 20 matchup coming up this next week. That would be Iowa and Iowa State. The Cyhawk Bowl, is that correct? Or whatever? The Cyhawk game, yes. Yeah. The uh, Iowa Corn Cyhawk Trophy is now what it's called, JVT, because uh, apparently, I don't know if you know that, a lot of corn in the state of Iowa. Yeah, I knew that. Uh, I, I saw, like, yesterday, like, what is it? The, <laughs> the, is it the jump around over at Wisconsin? Like, the story tradition since yes. 1995. I was like, okay, like, look, relax. Yes. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, but I guess, the, look, everything's on the table here, right? This is a, the biggest matchup of week two. But you talk about this is a perfect example of, of the angle that you're speaking on right with a lot of these games which is playing against perception Iowa State right narrowly getting by in their week one opponent against their week one opponent Northern Iowa and then now on the other side you get uh, Iowa who just beat I'm sorry the crap out of your Hoosiers yesterday Wes two pick sixes utter domination bamboozled them everything so you get this spot here between both of these clubs and right now on the board you're looking at Iowa catching three and a half with a total of 44 and a half uh, I lost the circuit opener, so maybe you have that in front of you, but I think the opener in the range uh, yeah. of about five in favor of the Cyclones. So what is the play here? I would expect the market is going to start to push this off of that three and a half. We'll get to that three range, but is this a spot where you're looking to play against Iowa coming off of a game in which everything went swimmingly for them? Yeah, I think, JVT, this is going to be two-way action here. And uh, it's probably going to dance around that three, three and a half. When it goes three and a half, money will come in on Iowa. When it goes to three, people lay it or lay the small money line with Iowa State. But you're absolutely right in the lead in there because if you look, Northern Iowa. But keep in mind, Northern Iowa has pulled these upsets before on the road at Iowa and Iowa State. This is, I know they were about four touchdown underdogs yesterday, but this is a pretty darn solid FCS program. So I don't think that you can necessarily put so much disrespect on Northern Iowa. They were right in the game. And what you often see too, is you see a little bit of first game jitters, I think from a lot of teams. And we kind of uh, talked about that a little bit earlier with some of the games that we were examining. One thing to look at in this series in the Cyhawk game with the trophy there on the line, Matt Campbell yet to beat Kirk Ferentz in this rivalry. Kirk Ferentz 4-0 against him. The Iowa Hawkeyes have now won five straight in this series. So this is a massive game for Iowa State. And you have to wonder, maybe Iowa State, even though they've been beaten in the past, not recently by, by Northern Iowa, maybe Iowa State was looking a little bit ahead. Maybe they weren't really trying to show everything. Got some different wrinkles and some plans for this game against the Hawkeyes coming in. This game, by the way, was not played last year due to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So first time in two years that these two teams from the Hawkeye State are going to hook up on the football field. But if you look, Iowa State 
lot of expectations this year, disappointing performance. But even Iowa, who won convincingly 34-6, to I think it probably played more like a two-touchdown win when you really look at the stats because Iowa didn't do a ton on offense. They had that 56-yard run early on, and then they pretty much got shut down. Of course, they had a big lead, so they were milking clock. But Iowa had two pick-six touchdowns by the same guy, Riley Moss, mm -hmm. against Michael Penix Jr. So, you know, that kind of put the game out of reach. But I don't think Iowa was, like, super impressive. I think if people are like, oh, my God, you know, this is a buy sign on the Hawkeyes. Not necessarily for me. I'd be looking right now, if I were to make a bet, I'd make Iowa State on the money line, probably about you're looking at $1.70, $1.75, $1.80. I like the clones here. I think this is a big game for Matt Campbell in this rivalry. Yeah, I generally agree. And you look through some of the numbers, sift through them, only 5.4 per attempt through the air for Petrus. If you look at the rushing numbers, Wes, yeah, 4.4 per carry. Much of that came on a 56-yard run from Tyler Goodson. Mm -hmm. So uh, some inflated numbers from Iowa from a score perspective and from a stat perspective. Only three wins for the Cyclones in this rivalry since 2008. Come on, got to give up. All right, on the other side, update Major League Baseball score. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies drawing my ire all tied up with the Miami Marlins in the bottom of the seventh inning. It's coming up next here on the Green Zone. season starts on Thursday. It is the perfect time to get ready with the VSIP Pro Football Betting Guide. Guys, only $19.99, and it is available. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up for VSIP All Access. Get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at vsin.com slash subscribe. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel, Wes Reynolds alongside. All right, Wes, I will, uh, I will sit here. I will complain. I will just... Um, I'll get angry for a brief second as the uh, Philadelphia Phillies are in action right now in Major League Baseball. They're taking on the Miami Marlins. I am irritated with Philadelphia because I do have a small ticket on them at plus 170 to win the NL East. It was right before they started this soft part of their schedule. Figured they'd be able to take advantage. Uh, however, not really the case. Right after I made the bet, they got swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And now they're fighting tooth and nail with the Miami Marlins today. How about this? Philadelphia, we saw I, we saw a first price of like $1.70. It wasn't really the case, though. If you look at the actual opener uh, dominating the board, it's essentially sitting at a pick. But Philly goes off in some spots as a small favorite. Most spots sitting at a pick. It is a 3-3 tie right now between Philadelphia and Miami. At this point, if you look, it was a bullpen game. Coonrod got the start here for Philly, went one in the third, and now it's just been a Johnny Holstaff competition from here on out. Elisa Hernandez was out there for Miami, and while Philly got to him early, five innings, three hits, three earned runs, got, took him deep twice, only struck out six times, they have since let Miami creep back into this. These are the games that you got to win, Wes. I know it's just a pick. I know that when you look at it from this perspective, you're thinking like, okay, you know, it's a coin flip spot. These are the games that if you're going to win your division, if you're going to maintain your pace in an NL wild card that is getting tighter and tighter by the day, you got to win these games against lesser competition, and they refuse to do so. 
Yeah, agreed. And I also do have a ticket on the Phillies at six to one to win the NL East. This was earlier in the Bobby summer. Obviously, when the Mets were when the Mets were kind of rolling, and then Jacob Degrom got put on the injured list, and all of a sudden the Mets kind of came apart, and here come the Phillies, and then the Braves make a run right after the Phillies. So totally understand that. Now three to three, by the way, only two hits for the Marlins. A two-run shot at the bottom of the fourth for uh, De La Cruz, and then De La Cruz has the third RBI with the fielder's choice, but. But now three to three. Yeah, this is a game you got to win if you're Philadelphia. And there's a couple teams kind of in that situation that are having very shaky performances. I will point to the Cincinnati Reds yep. right now down four to nothing in the bottom of the eighth against the Detroit Tigers. And the Reds bats, you know, we, we think of them as a consistently really good hitting team that's in obviously a pitcher's par or a hitter's park there rather at the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. But their bats have been very hit and miss lately and a lot more misses over the last couple weeks. You look at the Reds right now in the wild card, a half a game ahead of the San Diego Padres and losing, getting shut out at home. It was Casey Mize against Luis Castillo. Four to nothing here. The Detroit Tigers up on the Cincinnati Reds. Just five hits for the Reds. Reds do have a runner on with one out. Jonathan India up at the plate, but nevertheless, doesn't look promising for Cincinnati to get home here. And you do only had a half a game lead, I believe, on the San Diego Padres. So Padres, by the way, going to be an action here. They're going to get started here at the top of the next hour. They do have the Houston Astros in town. So look, Padres in the tough part of their schedule. Red seemingly in an easy part of the schedule, but they're about to lose a series to the Tigers at home. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? So you can look at this in two ways for Cincinnati today. One, uh, Luis Castillo, who has you you know, you know, and I follow uh, the analytics similarly, right? You look at the numbers for Luis Castillo and you see a guy who statistically has a lot of things that you like about him. A guy who has some good things coming for him and that should be pitching better than some of the results that are out there. We saw in the middle of the summer, West that that started to take shape a little bit, but here today you yes. get one of those outings. Six innings pitched, you know, and look, you know, only are one charged run to him, but three runs total, seven strikeouts, two walks. Like, those are the kind of things that you've got to be able to make up for if you're Cincinnati, and to your point about this lineup, it's just very boomer bust because this is a team that leads the league in home runs fly ball ratio. This is one of the best teams. I think their seventh last look a couple of days ago in ISO power as a lineup as a whole. That ballpark helps a ton, but this is a team that is extra base hits and home runs or absolutely nothing. And, and I think that's what you've seen, the problem with their lineup, boomer bust. It's, it's going to be a lot of extra base hits and power, or it's going to be pretty much nothing at all. And you're seeing the other extreme of it today, which is nothing at all against Casey Mize, who only pitched three innings today, struck out two and got out of that. They got five hits against Urania over two and two thirds, but did nothing with them. That has been the problem with them up to this point. Yeah, and now they do have two on, though, with yep. one out as uh, uh, Jonathan India gets on with the base hit. So runners on the corners, uh, Tyler Naquin going to be up at the dish. Pitching change coming for Detroit, just one out in the bottom of the eighth, but still no runs on the board for the Reds, trailing four zip. And the other game, uh, and we talk about opportunities, right? Like you got to take advantage of opportunities, especially the way that these wild cards are shaking out. Slip-ups, and especially slip-ups in series against opponents who were kind of floating around in the same area with you, now, all of a sudden, a team like the Oakland Athletics West, who are having problems with the Toronto Blue Jays, they've lost two straight, right now are trailing Toronto at this point, eight to nothing in the bottom of the seventh inning. A team that was still, like, they, at one point, they were just two and a half games back from Houston in the AL West. They were in control or just one game back for the second wild card in the American League. 
not only are they finding themselves four games behind the Boston Red Sox for the second wild card, they're actually behind the Seattle Mariners right now. And Toronto, with a win, can gain another half game on them, or excuse me, they can gain on them. And probably, I think they would tie them at this point, if not go over them in the standings for the second wild card. The Oakland Athletics have hit a very tough part of the schedule where all of a sudden their lineup is, it's just disappeared in certain spots and they cannot find any consistency. Yeah, a lot of balls going out of the yard up there in the mm-hmm. sixth today. Marcus Simeon, a former A with a solo shot, three-run homer for Kirk, and then uh, uh, Bichette has hit a, do- a couple doubles to get runners in. So eight to nothing. Yeah, you really are seeing the A's fall apart because if you look at the Blue Jays, they're still mathematically alive, but I'll go back to them and what I always say about them. They're a 2022 team, not a 2021 team. I just don't think that they have enough to really hang in that East and, and, and somehow snatch one of these wildcard spots because uh, look, they're five back of the Red Sox for that second spot, but just when you said that, I didn't even notice that that the Seattle Mariners are now ahead yep. of the Oakland Athletics in the wildcard race. Seattle, still kind of where they've been over the last month or month and a half. Minus 52 on the run differential, the Seattle Mariners and let their, yet they're 12 games over 500. Uh, and I'm going to plant my flag here right now as we look at what this man has done for the last three months, for this entire season, but he's been absolutely untouchable for a while. Give me Robbie Ray to win the uh, Cy Young over Garrett Cole. The guy has been absolutely incredible, Wes. He's finally reducing those walks, yep. John, and that's kind of what we've seen. The strikeout numbers have been there. They took a little bit of a dip, but he's gotten them back. You know, this is a guy that always has a high strikeout per nine innings ratio, but you worry about the walks with Robbie Ray. You know, there'd be times he'd have close to three walks per nine innings or more, but he has absolutely narrowed those down, and uh, this has been a good revival of his career. It's been absolutely great. Robbie Ray, one of my favorite pitchers to watch. He's been absolutely dominant this season. Absolutely. Okay, we'll come back. Uh, you mentioned Houston, San Diego. Let's talk about this because Luis Garcia is going to face Chris Paddock. I got some really interesting numbers for you, Wes, on Paddock pitching at home and some of the bad luck that he has faced. You know, I've been kind of anti-Paddock uh, in my life, even though he's been in the league for like three years now. But there's something to be said that maybe with some better luck, Paddock might be worth a look despite an ERA over six at home today. Mm-hmm. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. 
Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Discover what winning feels like at BetMGM. It's the best time to sign up because you're giving new customers a shot at an easy hundred bucks. Better for using code VSIN100 and win $100 in free bets when you place a $1 money line wager on any college football game and either team scores a touchdown. No matter what your gridiron game is, BetMGM is always ready for the action. Enjoy parlay selection, builders, daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use code VSIN100 to win 100 clamps when you bet $1 on any college football game and either team scores a touchdown. Only at BetMGM, the king of sportsbook. New customer offer, paid in free bets. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 years or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. This is my effort. I'm going to bring it back. Clams. In reference to dollars, ducats is also a good one. Can I tell you? And maybe I'm Shack, you, huh? shekels. Yeah, that's a good one. Shekels. Uh, I'll take it. Uh, I, that's one I, I've used myself. I know it's an older reference, but I'm totally down with this. So, can I ask you something? And this might look. I might look. I might look foolish. Okay. I'm out on the term tutties. Mm-hmm. Don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like Natty, too. I don't know. The only Natty I know is Natural Light that I drank at numerous fraternity parties in college. So that's the only time I want to use Natty. Don't use it for the national championship. Use it, you know, use uh, national championship. Give it a little bit of esteem, well, a little uh, respect on its name, JBT. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of memories come flooding back with that, uh, that name of that beer. That's yes. a good one. That's a, well, actually, they're spotty <laughs> memories, but they're memories nonetheless, huh? All right, Wes, uh, before, yes. before we get to the games that uh, first pitch is going to get started here, we got a couple of 110 starts want to get to. Uh, again, I mentioned Chris Paddock. There's some fascinating numbers behind it. Want to update a couple more scores for you before we get into that. Uh, first off, should note that the New York Mets, uh, t- this has been a wild series. Uh, it's been a wild couple of days for the Washington Nationals. They had a 6 nothing lead over the Philadelphia Phillies the other day. They blew that. They lost 7-6. to We had the 9 nothing lead for the uh, New York Mets, and that ended up in extras and Eventually, New York won. Well, now we had a 6-3 to three lead for the New York Metropolitans, but it is the top.
top of the eighth inning. The Nationals played three runs in the bottom of the fifth. So we have a tie game now, top of the eighth, no outs, and the Mets have runners on first and second trying to get things done. Not great for the starting pitchers in either one of these sides. Walker, four and a third, six earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts, two homers allowed to Washington. Gray on the other end only lasted three, gave up six earned runs over seven hits. He got taken deep twice as well. So we got a shootout there between those two clubs. New York Yankees, again, we talk about Wes needing to take care of business against the lesser opponents. Yankees lose yesterday to the Baltimore Orioles. Today, we're holding on to a solid lead, but Baltimore played a two at the top of the sixth. Now, all of a sudden, in the bottom, Yankees only lead five to four over Baltimore here in this spot early game, and one that the market drove up pretty high. Corey Kluber and the Yankees were a 350 favorite in some spots to win this game, now, now leading only by one single run. And when you look at that, no surprise, because if you look at Keegan Aiken's number, 734 ERA, mm -hmm. 562 on the XFIP. And look, when we see that high biting average balls in play, which we have for Keegan Aiken, 337, sometimes that indicates luck and sometimes that indicates bad pitching. And I think maybe it's the latter for Keegan Aiken. But nevertheless, uh, Orioles, at least within that run line spot, if you took that plus one and a half at plus money, now five to four here in the bottom of the six. And by the way, the Reds do have two runners on, but Gregory Soto now in the game does strike out Nick Castellanos. So four to one here, still two runners on for the Cincinnati Reds. So a little bit of life and uh, Soto going to go ahead and try to close out this eighth inning in a very high leverage situation. So let's get to the 1:10 p.m. Pacific time starts. And I want to start with Houston and San Diego. Uh, best matchup on the board. That's left. We got a couple on there, you know, Seattle, Arizona, Texas, Anaheim. Nobody cares. Uh, but. This is pretty intriguing, right? You get an American League contender in Houston, one I've invested in West to win the American League at 6-1, to one, and you get San Diego, who is trying to get back into that picture in terms of the wild card, right? A win here and a loss by your Cincinnati Reds would give them control yet again uh, over that spot. But let's look at this from the perspective of both of these pitchers and the prices. So San Diego, we saw an initial opener on the overnight West of $1.20. We have since kind of flipped and we're floating around a pick range between these two. Uh, right now, score dominating the board or the price dominating the board is a pick. It's either a minus 110 line or a minus 105 line here at Circo where I'm sitting minus 106. Where you're at, you're talking about minus 110. But Paddock, I think, is pretty, pretty interesting in this rubber match between these two, right? Paddock making his second start back from the injured list. Went four and two-thirds innings in Arizona last week. Three hits, one earned run, struck out five. But it's the same story with Paddock in terms of his issues this year. Bad luck on fly balls. For those who don't know, last year, how about this? 25% of his fly balls, a quarter of the fly balls that he allowed, went out of the park. That's insane. And this season, it's still below average, but 13.1% and 1.2 home runs every nine innings is a lot less bad, a lot less uh, extreme than what you saw last year, but still below average and a little unlucky for a pitcher. But when you dive into a little bit more, Wes, I'm fascinated by some of his numbers. For example, he's got a 659 ERA at Petco Park. But how about this? Mm -hmm. A 343 expected fielding independent. And if you look even deeper, when he's pitching in San Diego, opponents hitting 330 against him because of batting average on balls in play of 417. His command is a lot worse at home. He walks <laughs> a lot of guys. But this is a guy who's been getting some bad luck in a really big way in multiple different facets. And that's fascinating because if you look at it statistically, you would think that this guy 
is at some point going to start pitching the way his numbers indicate. But you have to ask yourself, the probability and the number you're getting on the price on a spot like today, is it worth it? And I was hoping for a market move in the range of like a plus 110 potentially on Paddock. It's like a solid plus price to get to where it was playable. It eventually, it didn't really get there. And so I eventually didn't find myself in the realm of playing this. But I think Paddock in a first five situation, if you were going to get a big enough plus price, was totally going to be worth it here against Houston. It just never reached that point. Yeah, and I think the market agreed with your analysis there on the move because they saw what you saw, and now Chris Paddock and San Diego have gotten the money. They are actually a very small favorite here because when you mentioned that in terms of his ERA at Petco, 659 at home and 374 on the road, so you're like, okay, and he's facing one of the best lineups in all Major League Baseball. Why the hell are the Padres getting the money? You know, and it's kind of like the someone knows some something that I don't know, and I think what they know is what you just said in terms of the XFIP, in terms of the bad luck that he has had at home and you look at Garcia on the road not really not really much to write home about when you look at his ERA just under five at 485 so he has kind of had some maybe some negative regression on his side versus the uh, positive regression potentially coming for Chris Paddock so I'm with you I agree with the move on the sheriff here but now that they're the favorite I needed a little bit more I'm just too late to the party so it's probably going to be a sit out for me yep it's in that's always the uh, the battle right and you're always looking for uh you're always looking for those right prices right the implied probability like I, if you're giving me a plus price and think about it too right from Houston's perspective because if you look there's another way to look at it right because Luis Garcia in his own right has been really solid if you look at him he's coming off of a brilliant August six games 334 ERA 342 expected fielding independent Houston's won his last five outings he's been consistently good over over those five, an ERA of 228, XFIP of 337. So no real sign that he's going to regress at any point here. So maybe playing this first five is another way to attack it, given that you get that regression from Paddock. You get the consistent performance that you expect and the numbers indicate from Luis Garcia. So maybe we see a lower scoring first five, and that's another way to go at it. But I never reached the, the probability and the price that I wanted on San Diego. And also should probably uh, say, and look, the lineup here for uh, Houston, remember, Altuve yesterday, not in the lineup, took a day off. He's in the midst of a 428 rut over the last seven games. Bregman has been taking days off here and there because, remember, he was out for a long time with injury. So keep an eye on those lineup cards as well. But uh, ultimately, nothing really strong. Let's go to Seattle and Arizona again. A couple of these starts. We'll get to the Sunday night game as well uh, because that, of course, is fascinating after the Dodgers take um, a 6-1 to game last night over the San Francisco Giants. Did you have anything on Flexen and Gilbert here? Seattle and Arizona, opener of $1.30 in favor of the Seattle Mariners. Price right now on the board. It's in that range. Markets moved a little bit in favor of Arizona, $1.20 in some spots. Flexen's a guy that we're always looking at, Wes, right? He, he fits the parameters. 352 expect, uh, excuse me, uh, ERA, but a 450 XFIP. Pitching above his skis a little bit, maybe some regression coming for him. And Arizona, as in certain matchups, this lineup has been able to get to guys who have something coming for him. Yeah, and you could say the same thing a little bit. Maybe some uh, some uh, regression coming from Tyler Gilbert on the Arizona side. So initially, I would want to play the over here, but it kind of it kind of flies in the face of what I often like to do on some of these Sunday games. This is usually that getaway game for both teams, where both teams more often than not are going to have to travel on the road or they're going to have the day off. So sometimes you get some quick hacks, and that leads to a little bit of an under. And certainly the market is bearing that out, even. 
though it's used to the over here at BetMGM right now, minus 115. Most places in the market, juiced to the under about minus uh, 120. And when you look at the pitching peripherals that we were talking about, you were thinking, okay, this is absolutely over city, but kind of flies into a bad situation and the market actually ignoring that. So this is going to be a pass for me. Logan Gilbert, or, uh, or excuse me, uh, Tiger, Tyler Gilbert, rather, he is getting the money here, the left-hander against Seattle. This was 133 in the overnight. Now you're seeing about a dollar ten at the low in the market. So already a little bit late on the Diamondbacks. This is a stay away for me. And uh, last one that's going to get started in this 1.10 p.m. Pacific time start. Uh, that is going to be my guys, the Anaheim Angels, uh, at home, taking on the Texas Rangers, playing meaningless baseball yet again, Wes. Taylor Hearn's going to get the start for Texas. You're going to get Jansen Junk on the other end of a pretty bad wow. name for a ba- a pretty bad name for a baseball pitcher. I will say that. I don't know if that, that's I don't know if you want to get into baseball if your last name's Junk and if you're going to be a pitcher. But Junk is going to get the start. Uh, for those who don't know, Junk, of course, uh, coming over in the trade with Andrew Heaney went over to the New York Yankees. So a prospect that is making his major league debut. Don't know a lot of about him, played at double A, not a lot to go on in terms of some statistics and numbers. One of those guys as well, Wes, we were talking about the kid who's pitching for Colorado, who's uh, finding himself at a two nothing hole here right now against Atlanta. Uh, some indications that he was pitching above his skis at double A, but not a lot to go on statistically. John, you're used to the Angels throwing junk on the mound, yes. though, aren't you? They, they started packing not the other season. day. So yeah, this is uh, this is we're used to this. Yes. Yeah, low 90s, basically what I read, what little I read about him, a few average secondary uh, pitches. Uh, Yankees actually drafted him out of Seattle University, so uh, I don't know what to expect from this guy, Junk. It's very hard to have that ticket, though, with Junk listing your pitcher's (laughs) Junk on there, so uh, this is going to be a stay away for me, I think. Uh, Two teams just playing out the string here. Just bad luck. All right, hey, two-run shot from Gary Sanchez has the Yankees up 7-4. to We're going to continue to roll through the baseball scoreboard. Uh, We have a lot left to get to in the world of football, too. It is the last Sunday without NFL action, so why not look at week one? It's the Green Zone here on VSIN. that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. 
Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.